us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Live from the last comic shop in coordination with Tangiers Entertainment, we now present the marvelous Ms. Marble. I don't know. It's like the Ms. Maisel thing. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have a podcast with dead air. Yes, sir. <laughs> dead air on a podcast. <laughs> yep. Uh, I guess we are opening the shop up to newbies, as we do every week, to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. Uh, if you just get past that weird radio segue thing. With the- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're keeping the lights on for the oldies that uh, have long loved their comic books and their comic book movies. That uh, Oh, my goodness. The whole comic book movie thing, that's been over a decade. Yes, it has been. I mean, eventually it's going to run out of steam. I think it already is. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, as always. And we are reviewing the last movie slash comic book review we're going to do here in 2023. But again, I don't know if we're going to continue to do these post-2023 because are people still going to see these things? Like, I I hope they are because I like comic books and I, I don't. For somebody that grew up not having comic book related movies or like it's been awesome getting them. But like I used to do these things on the show because it would bring in listeners. Now it's just like, nah, does it? Does it really? <laughs> no. Uh, but this week we're going to do The Marvels, which is the last MCU movie of 2023 for sure. And uh, to go hand in hand with that, once again, the host with the most found a book that had some of the characters from this week's movie in it. Uh, so we're and doing the, host the most is bitter about having to pick uh, <sighs> all the movie reviews right! books right! under his tab. Oh, exactly. On my tab. Because we're going to get to the end and you're going to do your like year end review things. You're like, well, Andy year picked-, of chance. <laughs> <laughs> Andy picked all the like rated two books. I'm like, yeah, of course, because I had to pick Blue Beetle. I had to pick the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Uh, Black Adam this, is, this year or was that last year? That was last year, but still, I had to pick that bad one. Bad enough too. for all time. <laughs> In case, but I picked Ms. Marvel Team Up, which was a six issue miniseries. It was kind of two separate three parters that was combined together in a trade that features Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel teaming up with other members of the Marvel Universe. Luckily, one of them happens to be uh, Carol Danvers captain marvel the other one's spider-man and he's not in this movie but i couldn't find one that had um, monica rambeau sorry chad who, who did this particular book okay i will start there so the first three issues of ms marvel team up were written by eve l ewing eve l ewing i can see what you did there uh with art by joey vasquez and moy r on issue number three Colors by Philippe Sabrero, uh, with covers by Stefano Caselli and Triara Farrell. Issues four through six were written by Clint McElroy, with art by Ig Guara. Colors by Philippe Sabrero, and covers by Anna Rudd and Edward Petrovic. There you go. And without further ado, let's get the 10 cent synopsis from J.A. Scott, because he read this particular book and was very, very confused. 
at certain yes. points. Probably shouldn't be asking some of the questions we're going to be asking. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that box we put things in? Remember this that is, one time? This is a we... giant box, yes. <laughs> Very confused with the first three issues. Uh, as you said, it has Spider-Man, but the Peter Parker Spider-Man that I know, who is a newspaper photographer that works for the Daily Bugle and is married to Mary Jane, is not the Peter Parker that's in this one. This Peter Parker is like a tech startup failure slash plagiarist slash younger guy living with a roommate and Mary Jane's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I've got a lot of questions about Spider-Man. That being said, it starts off, Kamala Khan goes on a school field trip to Empire State University where Peter Parker is introducing this woman who's talking about some mind transfer device. And you can see where this is going. The scroll-looking gargoyle, is that his name? Gargoyle? What's the guy's name? That's the jackal. Jackal. He looks like a scroll. He's green. He's got ears. He just doesn't have the scrotum chin. He was the guy behind the clone saga. God. Anyways, he's trying to get this mind transferring device and Peter Parker and Kamala Khan end up switching bodies. So Kamala Khan is in Peter Parker's body and Peter Parker is in Kamala Khan's body. And that we will get into that later, but it (laughs) brings up a whole host of issues that other questions boxes. Yes. And then, uh, the final three issues, Miss Marvel teams up with Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and they are tracking down this person who's stealing all this old Cree tech and building and repairing it. And at first, he looks exactly like Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, Marvel, but he's not. He's this American dude who is totally the dude. He is the big Lebowski, <laughs> if ever there was one. And, I don't think uh, the dude would abide this, but anyway. I don't I don't think the dude would abide. Essentially, then, he has this long plan to get back at the Kree for destroying his life. And they come and they judge him. And then he, he gets, like, community service to go back to the Kree homeworld and fix Kree stuff. <laughs> the second story was fun. The first story, I've got a lot of questions. Wow. Some of them uncomfortable questions. Right. <laughs> well, I mean... You didn't know who the Jackal was. Come on now. Like that. I get it, though. As he was sending text messages to Chad and I, who have been trying to follow the Amazing Spider-Man for the last 20 years. And, of course, me, that has been very upset with the way that Spider-Man's being handled in the last 20 years. He was like, why isn't he with Mary Jane? Why isn't he a reporter? Where was this money that he got from this corporation? Why is he disgraced from ESU? And Chad's like quietly but calmly listing all the reasons that all these things happen and i'm just like biting my fist being like and i hated that and i hated that and i hated that (laughs) so we can all basically it all came down to you can lay this all at the feet of dan slot to which i responded well at least he doesn't call his web slingers to me (laughs) yeah so for those that need the in between here if you follow the Dan Slot run, they had turned Peter Parker into a multi-bajillionaire who ran Parker Industries. But the problem was that was actually Dr. Octopus and Peter Parker's brain that did the whole Parker Industries thing. So at the tail end of that run, Parker Industries collapses. Peter Parker loses the fortune. And then at this uh, story, I think, takes place at the start of the Nick Spencer run, which begins with Peter Parker starting over. Only it turns out... 
people are accusing him of plagiarizing some of his work that he's turning in his new college uh, style there from uh, one Otto Octavius, even though he didn't plagiarize because it was actually Octavius in his brain publishing things under that. Anyway, Peter Parker is shamed. Uh, has to start over again, moves back in of Randy Robertson, uh, Robbie Robertson's son. And this takes place before Boomerang becomes their third roommate. That was good. I, I liked Boomerang. I think that was my favorite part of the Nick Spencer run. Yeah, it's just a total trash bag human moving in with Spidey and Randy, uh, yeah, watching them play off each other. If Spider-Man's going to have roommates, it should be Iceman and Firestar. Yeah. <laughs> This is true. And I, I think that comes back to, you know, my, my initial take on these particular two books. I think this was like a tale of two books in which the first three issues with Spider-Man, I, I, I'm just going to say it point blank. Like I have decided I am completely and totally over Peter Parker being in his late twenties and early thirties. I, I think it doesn't work for the character at all anymore. And boy, it's just kind of, creepy especially in this particular issue because like at times he looked so young when he was paired up against uh, kamala khan and kamala khan looked a little bit older like there's this one scene where she's taking out the trash and i'm like they look like they're the same age and i was just like no that's really creepy Like, super creepy. Like, I, I don't like that at all. And although I, I didn't mind, like, the whole notion of Spider-Man and Kamala Khan bonding over their superhero experience, because as you may or may not know, if you've listened to our review of the original G. Willow Wilson Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel run, there's a lot of uh, tones of the original Amazing Spider-Man in that book where like that coming of age superhero. So that works because Spider-Man's the original coming of age superhero. But at the same time, like, ew, and Freaky Friday stuff with the bodies. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, that's all right if you're like Freaky Fridaying with a person of the same sex. I, it gets weird when it's someone of the opposite sex and one of them's a minor. Yeah, it's why big doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those things you got to put in a box. There's so many things about this that are like, ah, that's wrong and gross. But I will say it was interesting. The first issue is told more from a Kamala Khan perspective. And then the second issue, they replay the entire day out from the Peter Parker perspective. And then they're all fused together and, and all that stuff. But that was a fun little experiment, too, seeing the same issue basically played out two ways but from those two different points of view. So I did like that little Rashomon there. Yes. Uh, I had a big problem with the art in the first three issues too. Peter Parker looks very young. Kamala Khan looks like she's some supermodel that's supposed to look like Kamala Khan. Uh, Her parents, it rubbed me all the wrong way. It didn't feel like a Pakistani American family, but I, I don't know. The art didn't work for me. The story didn't really work for me. Again, I had large issues with the the ickiness of yeah. it. There were really there were fun parts and like like when she's flipping around with Spider-Man's powers, that was kind of cool. And when he was showing off, you know, and and couldn't figure out how to make the Embiggen work, that was funny. Uh, but the first three issues, I thought, were just uneven. I guess is the nicest way I can put it. Well, the good news is at the end of the story, they get swapped back into their own respective bodies there, and they can't remember a thing. I don't think that's apropos of this story. 
this is just a fun little three-parter, like, oh, we're having fun, what a wacky adventure, let's not think too much on it, and let's move on. Right, but at the same time, to Jay's point, boy, that late 20-something Spider-Man just does not... There was, like, a great moment, to his point, about, like, Kamala Khan flipping around and having his powers, and he's like, ah, to see somebody enjoy my powers through fresh eyes. Yeah, I mean, that's how we feel about Peter Parker as Spider-Man, because we've known him for, like, I don't know, 60-some years. Like, I am ready for a Peter Parker that is solidly in his 40s, I am solidly but that's because you're solidly in your I don't, well, they're fine. Very yeah, solidly. Yeah. Some of us are more solidly than others. Right. But at the same time, because I'm going to point blank say this before we get into the last. This is my soapbox. I don't know a lot of folks that are reading Amazing Spider-Man that weren't the folks that read Amazing Spider-Man in the 90s anymore. Period. Aye, aye, aye. It's the number one book forever. Ah. It's people of all ages. Comic time never may. Let Go Miles on. be the, the young person standard bearer now. They have a Miles. Let him be the, let, let Peter be for the old farts. Anyways, moving on to the last three issues. As I said, if the first three issues was like 30% that I liked, 70% I didn't like, this is kind of the opposite. It's about 70% I liked and 30% I didn't. Um, I don't know if I was a fan of the art at times. I thought especially Carol Danvers looked jaggedy. At times, I don't know how to explain it. Like, very, very sharp features. Like, it was just, I I don't know. But at the same time, I really like Kamala Khan's uh, costume in those second three issues. I don't know when she got that costume, because I I don't really read a lot of Kamala Khan. But I really liked it. I was like, ooh, that's that's nice. I like that costume. But um, I really liked how they talked about the Kree. And they brought back all these nods to the Kree, uh, like the Sentry was there, and and Kamala Khan was like, oh, is that a Sentinel? And she's like, no, other thing. And I was just like, yeah, that that's pretty much how Marvel works. And uh, I, I just thought it was fun. And, and J.A. was just spot on with saying that that guy was Jeff Bridges from Big Lebowski, because he totally was. So... Uh, see, I, I'm the opposite. I thought, whereas the first three issues were uh, a fun little romp that had some problems that uh, you need to overlook to just like, okay, never mind. I'm just going to enjoy this. The back half, I just, I wasn't as into. The art seemed unpolished and almost like not quite at like a Marvel professional level. I mean, I didn't like Kamala Khan's new costume. I very much so like her earlier looks. The whole Cree scroll thing, like, uh, I don't know, there's just nobody to root for in this one. I think you root for Kamala Khan, obviously. You wait for her to embiggen and smash things, which is cool. And <laughs> I can't believe the MCU totally screwed up their power set so badly. Oh, yeah. I like Kamala, the Kamala show, oh, Kamala, at least. Oh, I love, yeah, I love the show. I just don't like how they use her powers. So, but why'd they get rid of the embiggen? Why does she have that light? thing that she runs around on i told you yeah. because an embiggened hand would look so gross yeah. so <laughs> it gross. actually probably would look bad when you look at that uh, um secret invasion where they just enlarge one arm and it, it does yeah. look pretty Ooh. well this is also a play off of another series that uh, i think chad and i read on the previous podcast that we were on which was called the life of captain marvel or something it was the series in which you found out that uh, carol danvers had always been a cree that her mom was a cree and um 
I think that's another reason why I liked those last three issues is because it was all about Cree culture and like, you know, Carol Danvers trying to accept Cree culture and the fact that she's a part of Cree culture now. And like, I, I didn't mind the whole thing about like what they send in order to judge people in the Cree and like how they played on the original Captain Marvel, Marvel comic series. And like, for me, that's what kind of works sometimes the best because i don't know if you guys think of her as or not but like it's really hard to not to equate kamala khan with captain marvel yeah she's the next man now uh but i always thought that she was like not to say the sidekick of captain marvel or the carol danvers version but she's in that family you know what i'm saying like miles and spider gwen are a part of peter parker's or the spider it, family. Yeah, like they'd be in a group text. They're, they're in a group text together. Right. So, <laughs> like, for me, it just makes sense. It's kind of like a Batman-Robin adventure. And for me, it works that way. It's nice to think of them. And I kind of like books like that, where, you know, you get the, the superhero families teaming up against other people in their extended family or whatever. I don't know. But I, I agree. The art was, like, rough. It was hit or miss. There were, like couple panels that were really gorgeous and then some other panels where you're like is that a nose what's going on with the face there in any case we got to get to this movie review so let's go ahead and get to ratings for this particular six-part series three parts or in, in halves and things anyways ja what is our rating scale well this was all about team-ups so i guess one out of four team-ups yeah i don't know that's a weird sound effect i hope you guys didn't mind that one because I had a hard time coming up with something that was a team up. So in any case, <laughs> there was a team. Hopefully you got the team. Uh, here we go. So we're going to start off with Chad. What are you going to give this in terms of team ups? Uh, I'm going to say 2.25 for my rating. I This is just your standard comic series. It was there for fun. It wasn't meant to be taken too seriously. I enjoyed the first half, not so much the back half. I am kind of sad that it only capped off at six issues because I think Ms. Marvel is that type of character that could be the modern Spider-Man, that could be the audience surrogate to meet all these different heroes and have all these different experiences. And I think the old Marvel team-up methodology would work really well, but I don't care about Kree Skrull stuff, so I don't like that one. <laughs> the Spider-Man stuff was a little bit icky. And so, whereas I think, oh, I could have enjoyed this book more than I did, eh, it was fine. What did I say? Two point two five. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that just a little bit lower. This is a solid two. You know, it's sad that I have to keep on picking the twos on this show, but this is just <laughs> an average comic. I didn't like it. I didn't dislike it. Again, I think to your point, Chad, this reminded me a lot of some of the Spider-Man team-up books that I would read from the Bronze Age or early 80s, where it's just like, oh, well, that's a story that happened. Great. Can I move on? Great. Okay. He's And so it, it didn't really have a lot of heft. I mean, this isn't like Eisner award-winning, you know, stuff. This is just like, oh, you got to sell a comic book and read it for a little while, which was fine. Like, that's what the vast majority of comic books are. And so this is about, it's in that big lump of an average. Do I think from a perspective of somebody that's going to a theater and seeing the Marvel's movie, which we're covering later in this show, going out and picking up Ms. Marvel team up as like a, uh, a book to read after this? No, 
I still think that you should go and pick up G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel original series. That's what you should start with. Eventually, if you get to this, great. But, like, we already did that on this show. So I couldn't pick that book. J.A. Yeah, the first one, I mean, all the text messages I was sending to you guys questioning what was going on with Spider-Man and then questioning the whole concept and then really questioning the whole concept and told to stop asking those questions <laughs> making everyone uncomfortable and the second part was all right so it's like a one and a three i guess that averages out to about a two not great not bad uh it's fun i guess a bit of it you know it's easy to read it's it's not heavy uh the second part has the dude the first part has spider-man kind of when you don't think about the fact no i don't you stop it you're thinking about this too much it's like thinking about the last 20 years of Spider-Man continuity. You're thinking about it too much. You're biting your fist angrily until it bleeds because it's so awful. Okay, so we've got more Last Comic Shop right after these commercial breaks with uh, our recommendations for this week, as well as our movie review of The Marvels. Uh, so stay tuned for that. What happens when 20-something Madison is zapped into old-time radio shows? No technology. Ugh, I want to go to voicemail. No Starbucks. Don't call yourself a coffee shop if you only sell drip coffee. And no one is PC. I don't need no lip from... Were you about to say woman? Because I'm wearing a gun and I have no idea how to use it. Madison on the Air serves to highlight the way we were and the way we are today with original radio drama scripts adapted to include the modern-day Madison as she joins famous characters from radio's past, including Sergeant Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. I've never actually said that. Marshal Matt Dillon. We're not having a shootout with a 10-year-old kid. I'm too woke to be a part of this. Superman. I didn't realize how cold it would be flying like this. I have to get into the higher atmosphere. And many more. Visit us on the web at madisonontheair.com or find us pretty much any place podcasts can be found. You talk so old-timey. I have no idea what you said, but it's adorbs. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave, and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week there are people that really annoy me and I'll call them out as the jag off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our marvelous recommendations. Yes, this is the time of every single show where we give you other comic books in addition to Ms. Marvel Team-Up, which you can go to your local comic book shop and pick up after you've watched the Marvels movie. I don't think any of our recommendations actually have to deal with Ms. Marvel, so if you're sticking around for those... Uh, no, wait, no, Chad's does. Chad's does, and that's why we're going to start off with him. So, Chad, what is your recommendation this week? There we go. Well, I was tempted before this uh, segment started to recommend the G. Willow Wilson Ms. Marvel series, but Andy told me I wasn't allowed to do that because we were on the show. <laughs> and, and then I thought for a moment about Kelly Sue DeConnick and her work on Captain Marvel, which is also very good, uh, very worth your time. Uh, if you want to check that out, that's also good. 
But I decided I was going to go with uh, Ms. Marvel on a team. And there was a book circa 2016 called The Champions. Champions was a team that featured uh, Ms. Marvel along with the Sam Alexander Nova, Miles Morales, everybody loves, Viv Vision from the Vision miniseries, the Amadeus Chose Hulk, and uh, Young Cyclops. And basically, it was Mark Wade as the writer, Umberto Ramos doing the art. For the first two or three trades, it was just tons of fun. These kids come together. Social media encourages them to team up to help fight uh, the injustices in the world. Uh, similar to Young Avengers, similar to New Warriors back in the 90s. It was that young team of superheroes coming together and you know sharing uh, all the, the things that go along with life at that age. And like I said, the art was fantastic. The stories were good. And then it got tied up a little bit in Secret Empire and drifts off from there. But yeah, if you can get those first two or three trades, the Champions book uh, is tons of fun. I agree with that recommendation. I feel like folks that enjoy this Marvel's movie and then are looking for something to read that has Kamala Khan teaming up with other superheroes, that's probably the book to read. Yeah, it has that youthful exuberance that uh, Kamala Khan brings to the table in spades. Right. And plus, it's got Miles Morales. And you already know about that character, too, because he's been in all the movies. All you young kids. (laughs) Well, I also have a book that involves superheroines teaming up and one of them is monica rambeau who's featured in the marvels this is the five-part miniseries that came out in 2010 called heralds where uh hellcat monica rambeau valkyrie she hulk agent brand and emma frost all come together to fight what is a clone of Frankie Ray that is sort of imbued with the Nova energy, the Herald of Galactus Nova? Oh, yeah, not the, the Richard Ryder Nova. No, no, the Herald of Galactus uh, Frankie Ray Nova. It turns out that uh, Silver Surfer had come down to Earth and found this waitress in the middle of reno and and said that she looked like frankie ray and had the spirit of frankie ray so touched her and gave her nova's essence i don't know and it's 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 cosmic and uh i spent a lot of years reading comic books about nova before they killed her off in silver surfer 75 so it was nice to see that she made her comic book come back finally <gasps> was that the was that the end of the herald war or what was that with Morg? I, it yeah, was. It was. <laughs> it was. Yes. I remember J.A. being like, they're collecting all the past heralds. This is the best, Andrew. You should read this. And I'm like, ah. I do remember that was like the last best uh, shiny cover. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, speaking of cosmic stuff that doesn't have shiny covers, my recommendation does deal with uh, another MCU property that involves those uh, spacefaring folks like the Marvels. This one's all about the Eternals, which again, back in 2021, the Eternals movie was coming out. Marvel wanted to put out a big new series featuring those heroes in order to gin up excitement around those particular properties. And so they handed the keys of the kingdom to Kieran Gillen, who I've liked in other books. He wrote the Darth Vader series, which I loved. He wrote uh, Once in Future, which we've covered on this particular show. And he teamed with Asad Ribic, who just draws amazingly great 
godlike characters. If you've ever read any of his stuff with Thor, or he drew a Silver Surfer series. Yeah, this particular uh, book kind of fills in a lot of the gaps of the, the Eternal series in the past by making them, I guess, a larger part of the machine, which is what the Earth is called, honestly, and making the Earth actually a character as it speaks and kind of narrates the story a little bit. Uh, but the first trade, which is called Only Death is Eternal, starts off with uh, kind of a murder mystery in which Zerus, who is kind of like the Zeus character or the dude that's in charge of all the Eternals, is murdered. The uh, cops assigned to the case, which are Icarus and Sprite, and it turns out that Thanos is involved. And you should read this series for no other reason than Saab Ribic draws an awesome, awesome Thanos. And he, like, beats the tar out of a bunch of folks, which is great. And then you get some other Eternals. And what I really like was, like, Kieran took some time to kind of fill in the backstory about, like, the Eternals and their culture. And, like, if you really were a group of folks that could just be brought back to life all the time and didn't really serve any purpose other than killing deviants and keeping the Earth machine running appropriately, yeah, you would be kind of vanilla too like you would you'd question your existence a lot and have to do a lot of stuff to fill up the rest of your time and so i think it's one of the better eternal series that you can read and boy that Assad ribic art is gorgeous any case one thing that we also hope that you read is all the rest of the comic books that we're going to be covering for the rest of the year here at The Last Comic Shop. And you can do that by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, and rate, reviewing, and subscribing, because you like us. That's why you're listening to this show. And uh, while you're out there, you can check out all kinds of rest of the stuff, like what, J.A.? Well, we've got links to all of our social media, uh, wherever it may be. It changes on a weekly basis, but uh, where we do weekly polls, we tuck you into bed with Golden Age covers, and we've got a link to our merch store this week, our t-shirts, Embiggen by themselves. So make sure you get them small or extra, 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 extra large, depending on how embiggened you can get become. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so we recommended a ton of books as well. Uh, for you to check out if you are a fan of Miss Marvel. Uh, check those out at your local comic shop. If you need to find one, use the comic shop locator www.comicshoplocator.com because while we like being the last comic shop podcast you need, we don't actually want to be the last comic shop. But uh, why don't we just skip ahead to the movie review? Yeah, exactly. That's what people are hanging around for. And so stay tuned right after this quick word from our good friend Carlo about uh, where you can great get some great comic book-related supplies to keep all your comic books looking fresh from BCW Supplies. Until then, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, and we will be right back. Carlo, take it away! Hi, it's Carlo Calentuan, last comic shop podcast listener and comic book tragic here in the Philippines. My boy. When I'm in the U.S., I'm always on the lookout for a good deal on boards, bags, boxes, and all other manner of comic book-related supplies. And that's why I love to go to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off of all my orders. Not only do I get a discount on everything I buy at BCW, but I'm able to support the podcast when I use LCSPOD at checkout. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head over to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD. 
Oh, and guys, I'm still waiting for that Tressy review. Come on, when is it? And ladies and gentlemen, we are back for that moment you all have been waiting for. It is our Marvel's Movie Review. So we're going to start off with J.A., and he's going to let us in on the uh, contestants involved in this particular contest of champions. Jay, who starred and directed and wrote and all that other fun stuff for The Marvels? All right. Well, The Marvels was directed by Nia DaCosta on a script from Nia DaCosta, Megan McDonald, and Alyssa Karasik, obviously based on the Marvel comics. It was produced by Kevin Feige, maybe uh, a little bit dinged up Kevin Feige, no longer the the master of his domain that he once was, uh, pre-Avengers Endgame. Uh, it starred Brie Larson, Tiana Paris, Iman Vellani, Zawi Ashton as the big bad who no one has ever heard of Darben, uh, <laughs> Gary Lewis, Park Soo-Joon, Zenobia Shroff, Mohan Kapoor, Sagar Sheikh, and Samuel L. Jackson as sort of a world-weary, very much Marvel-weary, it's not unlike us, uh, <laughs> Nick Fury. So that is the who's it's Andrew, uh, give us the what's-its, and for our audience, be aware, spoilers may follow. Yes, absolutely. If you haven't seen the Marvels yet, you might want to just turn off the podcast at this point, come back later, after you've actually seen it, because we're going to be talking about it. A lot of stuff And go happens. watch it, it's fun! It's, and it's, it's only an hour and a half long. Now that, that's something that I can get behind. I don't need these three-hour comic book related movies two and a half hours an hour and 45 minutes bam i'll take that any day any day but the 10 cent synopsis simply put hey captain marvel carol danvers goes to holla because she wants them's revenges the fact that they stole her memories and all this other jazz but long story short she kills the supreme intelligence who like has been running the kree empire or whatever and as a result of this, like, the Krees just completely crap on themselves. Like, it's just terrible. Like, they destroy their planet and whatever. Darben, who is Ronin Light, <laughs> she's got a hammer and she's like, I'm going to make Hala great again. And so she puts on a red hat and she goes off someplace and finds a, a, a quantum band, not a nega band. And then she starts creating wormholes to suck resources in. At the same time, the three Marvels, which are Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, and Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, get their powers entangled through plot stuff. Yeah, they touch just... the edge. <laughs> they touch tips. And that's <laughs> and, but Kamala had a bangle. And then they, they swap places a bunch, and then they go and they dance and sing for a little bit, and then they fight and the show, up. show up. Yeah, don't forget the flurkin. Yeah, there's tons and tons of kittens. Kittens running wild, and then the X-Men show up. And th th then that's your movie. For as much as this movie was great in the fact that it was only an hour and 45 minutes, honestly, I probably could have taken a, like at least 15 more minutes maybe 20 just simply because i felt like there were lots of points in this movie where they were like hey we're going to introduce something and then no we don't care about that anymore <laughs> i mean am i am i they went they went to that planet with all the people that sing instead of talk well we stole their water who cares oh here's the the scroll refugees 
oh, they're around, oh, they died, oh, who cares? They just kept on, like, just pushing the f- plot forward. And, and anything that needed to be done to push the plot forward, they would do, and then they would just move on. And they were just like, consequences be damned. We're just going to continue with this story, which is a fine way to make a movie, I, I guess, if you want it to be under two hours. Yeah, if you just want it to be nonsensical and we're going to go from this action set point to that action set point and we're going to hold it together with this horribly contrived mother-daughter relationship between Carol Danvers and Monica Rambeau. They look the same age. The actresses look almost the same age. So it was hard for me to see the sort of, oh, you're the mother, she's the daughter estrangement. Carol's been in space. Yeah. Oh, no. You're, that was, you're a that fan was... of aliens. Remember when Sigourney Weaver comes back after being like in cryo sleep oh, or oh, something? Wait a minute. So, suddenly, physics applies to the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Is that what you're telling me? She was off somewhere. Time distortion. She came back and everybody had aged. Then it yeah, happens. It, okay, maybe. If they could have, like, shown that on screen or acted that out at all but it was just bad it was bad that is more of a gripe because you're right there was a lot of stuff that they didn't show you at all on screen the main villain have we been introduced to her previous to this like no she was in the last captain marvel movie it was like they wanted to do ronin but no we can't do ronin he's dead well (laughs) let's just do a ronin like character but female yes i mean come on this had to have been written by an AI. This was written by the Supreme Intelligence who was then killed, and they <laughs> chopped out all the things that mattered. Now, in the Kree Scroll War, the second Kree Scroll War, where the Supreme Intelligence actually gets killed, some of the plot points are stolen from this. Is actually old Ron Mars writing. Dar Ben is a Ron Mars character, but the whole point of the Civil War was that the Pink Kree were fighting the Blue Kree because the Pink Kree were. Um, the, the minority under the previous administration of the Blue Cree. All of that is lost. You don't even get into that at all in the movie. Maybe a good thing. I don't know. The old, I loved Iman Vellani. She, I thought, was the best. She was like, as an actress and as a character, I am just so happy to be here. This is so cool. I'm a <laughs> high school kid, and I'm getting to do the superhero thing. Yeah. woo She was like all of us. She was like, I was like at a cosplay last week, and now I'm doing this for real? You're kidding me. It was nice. I mean, she was a breath of fresh air. And I know Chad hasn't even got to say anything. He's just shaking his head because he enjoyed this. And I'm not here to say that I hated this movie. It was an hour and 45 minutes, so I will go down swinging that I liked this much more than like the Eternals or any other direct that Ant-Man. I had to sit three hours through Ant-Man, to really. get to the same yes. point Ant-Man, where I was just Quantumania. like, I mean, just because the, those other movies were longer does not mean they were written better than this. This still had the same problems that other Marvel movies that have come before it has, which is so like, it's, it's kind of like a comic book from the old days where they were just like, here it is. You'll have to figure out the characters as we go, because we're not going to explain any of this to you, which is fine. Comic book uh, readers are used to that for a long time. Chad, you, you've been champing at the bit. What do you got? Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Everything that both of you have said, absolutely fine. But let's rewind a little bit. Let's think back to the golden age of Marvel movies when they were good. 
the best part about Marvel movies was they would take a genre and they would insert superheroes into that genre, right? We've said yeah. this hundreds of times. Ant-Man Absolutely. was the heist movie with superheroes. Captain America's your 70s spy thriller with superheroes. Guardians, your space opera with superheroes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This movie is your female-led action movie with superheroes. And I am for it. Now, understand, there are certain things that uh, might not be for us. There are things where plot contrivances are contrived and then thrown away because you don't need them anymore because that's what the ladies want to see. They want to see cute kittens, so we got cute kittens, but they eat people. Contrivance, done! They want to see... Uh, you know, some action scenes in there where women are sharing things. Oh, back and forth, and they share it. Oh, they have complicated relationships. And one's a mentor, but she let the other person down, and the other one wants her to be a mentor, and she's letting that one down. And oh, there's emotions, but there's fighting, and there's action. Contrivance. Keep it going. They've got a bad guy. That's basically a carbon copy of a bad guy they already burned up, but they needed another one. So they made her female, they put her in, they gave her a reasonable backstory. Contrivance. Set. Moving on. We want a scene where people sing and dance. Contrivance. They did the whole thing exactly the way they wanted to. And they made a movie that made Brie Larson charming. They played up Amon Vellani's charm, which if you have not gone and watched the Miss Marvel TV show, it's one of the few standout Marvel shows that has some joy to it. And I loved uh, Monica Rambeau. I loved Photon. She was great as the straight man, so to speak, for all the craziness. And I like this so much more. It was so much less forced than the first Captain Marvel movie, which they were yeah. trying to play up on 90s nostalgia. And like, I, I felt bad for Brie Larson there because I know she was a, a capable actor and just wasn't given a chance to show any range. Here, because they're swapping out the stakes, uh, there are all sorts of things going on that I thought were just fun, and it reminded me of some of the best of the Marvel movies. With that said, is this a classic? Uh, no. I mean, it is what it is. It was fun. It was an hour and a half. It was charming. It gets by on that charm. Uh, it's not a movie you want to think about too much, because there were so many little plot things that didn't really matter. Like, they were just there to serve a purpose to propel the movie forward. You can't yeah, think I mean, about this Monica one too Rambeau much. Rambeau became like the ultimate MacGuffin for the whole friggin' movie. Oh, the movie was <laughs> chock full of MacGuffins. Yeah, yeah, it was every other 10 seconds there was a MacGuffin. I did enjoy Monica Rambeau a lot. I honestly, to your point about uh, there's that one scene when she comes in and all the cats run around the, what, the space station, and she just yeah. says, I, 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 I just can't do this. <laughs> Can you do this? And I was just like, eh. That's that seems like what happens when you walk in and like the office is yeah. there's a dumpster fire at, at your office and you're just like I, I can't do with this right so, now. Are we hurting cats? They're literally hurting yes. cats. I I I could have done without the Tessa Thompson Valkyrie pointlessness. Yeah. She shows up just to get rid of the scrolls and you're like, okay, how? somebody had Whatever. to do a plot contrivance. Done. I feel like a typewriter. You just hit enter. Boom. Next line. <laughs> And, and, and I will say this, uh, a lot of folks are going to be talking about huge spoilers, the mid credit sequence where like basically Monica Rambeau gets shuffled off into uh, a parallel universe. Is it the same X-Men universe as the, uh, as the Fox movies? Who knows, but it's Kelsey Grammer as the beast. But honestly, my favorite part of that scene, talking to her mom 
but that wasn't her mom. Binary, it, it, her mom got the Captain Marvel powers in this alternate universe, went off and became like a big superhero. So she never had a kid. To me, not only was that some of the more emotionally resonant like part of that movie, like I was like, oh my gosh, that's emotional stakes. That's a huge emotional stake. You know, that's 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 like a Twilight Zone kind of thing. That seemed like a plot twist in a comic book. You're like, oh, this isn't my mom because we're in an all three universe. And so I, I, I just like that part, even more than the Beast part. Well, I was going to say, that's everybody's favorite part is this after credit scene. I could not have cared less about that mid credit scene with Beast. No, I, I like the first after credit scene, which actually took place before the credits, but should have been like a mid credit scene. Because it had nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but the whole where uh, Miss Marvel does the um, the Nick Fury, I'm getting the Avengers together, but she's getting the young Avengers. Did you think you were the only young superhero? She was, well, I'm not young. I'm like 23. I know. <laughs> and from a charm standpoint, I am there for it. But if you're putting together a superhero team, you think you go for somebody with a, a bigger power set than a Hawkeye. Well, who else does she have to pick from? I mean, who else have we been introduced in that age bracket that like, because like Wiccan's not around yet, technically, because or little little. Yeah, Cassie Lang. She's like heavy hitter because she actually has pin particles. Yeah. And uh, Echo's out there, although that show hasn't come out yet. America Chavez. America Chavez. She's another she's another heavy hitter. And they don't have miles yet. They don't have miles in this universe. So like, I don't know. But that was kind of cool. I kind of like that, too, to your point, Jay. That was a neat part. I think I'll sum my, my, my thoughts up with that. It was wildly inconsistent, but I, I thought it was, like, in, in tone with what you would expect from a comic book, right? Sometimes you watch some of these comic book movies, and you're like, these are so far removed from what a comic book is. I don't know what this director's trying to do with this. But this movie felt like, it felt like you picked it up on the rack, and you were like, oh, that's the bad guy? Okay, what are they doing? All right, they're running over here. Oh, there's a universe. And then you're just like, you got to you gotta fill in the blanks. Yeah, and I, I, feel, I feel bad a bit for this movie. It's not going to make the money that they were hoping it's going to make. I think it's probably... Oh, this is going to be... And, and, it's going to bomb. It's And not all of it is its own fault. I think it doesn't help that it followed some horrible... Ant-Man Quantum Mania was much worse than this. The Secret Invasion TV show was, I mean, just throw that in the bin, right? That's a, that's a dollar bin TV show now. So it's following on the heels of some pretty solid dreck coming out of Marvel Studios. Add on top of that just general superhero fatigue in the marketplace, and people are turned off. They're not, they don't know that they can just go in and it's a an hour and a half popcorn jaunt with some singing in the middle and some craziness. Yeah, it still has that overdone Marvel CGI slog fest aspect to it at parts. And yes, that CGI does start to break down at points because these at this point, these uh, factories pumping out all this special effects. They're like, can we just stop? Can we just stop for a second? The audio track for Beast and the X-Men scene didn't match up at all. <laughs> yeah, it was like a bad uh, Japanese dub or something. <laughs> and, and knowing that, too, they probably took Kelsey's voice and then ran it through something as well to de-age it. But I do yeah. think this lives on on streaming. I think this is a movie that will find its audience eventually. 
And there is an audience for this. I mean, you've got strong female characters. Uh, Sam Jackson does a great job in his role, you know, yeah. as the guy in the chair. They're like, Sam Jackson's in space now. Shut up. And like, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And so before we switch to, to ratings, I, I do want to kind of comment, though, that the SAG-AFRA strike now being over, they're going to get back to work on making more movies, evidently. And uh, But the thing is, next year, only one Marvel movie coming. I mean, I guess other than the Sonys, they're still pumping out their jazz. But like one Marvel movie in Deadpool 3, the rest of these movies we aren't going to see until 2025, if that. There's like Captain America and like Thunderbolts and and Fantastic Four is the only one I care about. But that's the thing. Like, first off, is it good that there's going to be a break between the Marvels and all these movies to come? Question number two, after the break, these aren't really the movies people want to see. There's still not an X-Men movie other than Deadpool, I guess. So, yeah, I think it'll be nice for the whole fatigue factor that everybody keeps bringing up. For the fact that Marvel in general, uh, outside of this movie, which I, I still think was a delight, they really needed to take a step back and get their ducks in a row again and figure out what makes these movies special. There were always aspects of Marvel movies that felt like they were coming through factory, but those got more and more pronounced as the movies went on and everything post Endgame, you know, had lost some of that magic. So by all means, put out your, your crazy, wacky Deadpool movie. That might be a multiversal one as or if some of the rumors come true, but uh, yeah, give people a breather, let them remember why they liked Marvel movies again, instead of just pumping out movies and shows and movies and shows and making it seem like a chore. Yeah. And, and it's, it's as if they did end game and end game was such a massive success and, and they fell in love with the whole idea of building up to some big event type thing. Now, it feels like instead of getting a bunch of movies that had a little bit of maybe a, a little end sequence that added to and became part of this larger story, it's all about getting to that end of the larger story. And they're not caring about the pieces so much. Yeah. And those were always the worst Marvel movies pre-Endgame were the ones that were too busy setting up for the big story. It's like, no, tell a good tale. And if you want to interweave some of these things, you know. Little teasers, little hints here and there, that's fine. But whenever those uh, get in the way of the service of the story, that's when you've got problems. Well, I'm still of the opinion that the whole big problem after Endgame was they were just like, you know what? People will watch any character that we put out there. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter if anybody's ever heard of them. People will eat this up because we're Marvel now. A lot of hubris. Yeah, also Kang... Maybe you could say, you know, why not Dr. Doom? Because Kang is, even in the Marvel Comics universe, he's a bit of a honor. He's not, he's not, he's no Thanos. He's, he's, uh, doesn't, and and, and let's not even get into the problem of the actor that's been cast to play Kang and, and all the sort of real world baggage that has now come with him. Right. You get the Fantastic Four back and you get the X Men back, and yet you don't put out movies with those characters for like five years after you get back the rights bs put those movies on get them greenlit get them fast tracked get them out in front of audiences because honestly shang chi great whatever fine would you take an x-men movie over a shang chi movie absolutely i don't know anybody that wouldn't listen that's always been the trick in any form of entertainment it's not to give the audience what they want you gotta tease them what they want 
but you've got to make them want what you give them. And that's where Marvel's been failing. All right. Well, let's get to ratings. That's something that all of our listeners want. Uh, one out of four scale from J.A. Scott for the Marvels. What is it, J.A.? One out of four floating flurkins. Oh. <laughs> get some uh, whiskus. Get some catnip. Let the flurkins eat you. Attention, all personnel. Let the flurkins eat you. <laughs> It was a good part of that movie. It was inspired. I will go first. I'm going to give this a little bit higher than average. I don't think it's a full three. I think I'm going to give it a 2.75, mostly because of length. If all the movies in the Marvel canon were an hour and 45 minutes, I would love them. That's just a perfect runtime for me. Anything under two hours is great. But... um, yeah, I, I could have done with a little less running around. I didn't need to have all the planets. Like, they didn't need to go to the Squirrel Planet if that's what they were going to steal. After Secret Invasion, nobody cares about that Squirrel plot. <laughs> Secret Invasion killed that baby in its bed. And it, it's it's sad, but it's true. Nobody cares about this Kree Squirrel War anymore. So, but they could have just gone to the Water Planet. Could have gone with uh, a little bit more of that uh, singing and dancing and just filled in some of the gaps better, I guess. We did not get enough of that King character. We didn't. And you know what I still don't understand? Did Kamala Khan have both bangles by the end? Or did she give one of the bangles away and she only kept the one? Because once, once you have both of them, why wouldn't you just keep both of them? Yeah, she gave it to Captain Marvel. Because when they're they're getting in the airplane to not fly it, they both were wearing a bangle. Well, why does she have a bangle? That's I don't know. Yeah. She has all the power. Does she need a bangle too? That's uh, 2.75. Chad. So, yeah, I, I considered going under a three because there are plenty of flaws in this movie. But uh, I'm not going to focus on the flaws. I'm going to focus on the fact that this is something that my nieces, I think, would enjoy uh, watching this movie. This is a perfect date night movie for your wives and girlfriends that are a little bit tired of the superhero movies here's one they could have fun with i i totally could have seen them putting uh melissa mccarthy and jason statham in this one and like it's that style of movie where it's the the fun female-led action spot and like i said earlier they let all the actors showcase their charm they didn't let the plot get in the way because everything was a contrivance from what our powers now swap for reasons? Whatever. Okay. There's a hole opening up in the sky into another reality. Okay. Uh, oh, we're going to fix the hole in the sky. Okay. It doesn't matter. None of it matters, but it was fun. It was light. And I, keeping it under that two hour long mark, like that was wonderful. Ah, man. If more Marvel movies could do that thing. So I'm going to go a full three. I think this is something that people are going to complain about and people are going to hear negative things and then uh, that's going to result in them skipping it and they're going to miss out on a good time. All right. Jay, wrap us up. Yeah, I think as a movie, it's a two. Because uh, as you said, there's just so many plot holes and zany ideas that didn't really stick to the wall that they kind of just threw everything there. And, oh, that'll work as long as it gets us to this point in the movie who cares uh that being said some of those crazy moments were truly a breath of fresh air the whole singing planet and then the one guy can talk because he can speak two languages that was (laughs) 
that was nice. It was different. It was crazy. It was something that you wouldn't expect from a Marvel movie to sort of be that avant-garde-esque, if you will. And then if you're only coming for Iman Vellani's Miss Marvel, then that's a good thing. She is so great. And, and if more people can then go back and watch her TV show because right. of it, I hope. Uh, so I'm oh, her give whole it a, family. And they're so much better. I thought in the movie, the family is a bit played for comic relief. In the TV show, they're much more important, you know, much more integral part of, of the story, obviously, relief. So I give it uh, a 2.75 as well. 0.75 extra, that's that's just all Kamala Khan. Bring it up. <laughs> there you go. Now, what? what I, and I think this is her first big movie. I don't think she's done the actress. I don't think she's done other stuff. So I look forward. I hope she can not become typecast and she can break out and, and do other types of movies because she's uh, she's got great comedic timing. Well, there you go. Well, that wraps up uh, our review of Marvels uh, for this episode of the Last Comic Shop Podcast. Uh, we do not have any other movies on the uh, agenda for the rest of the year. Well, I, 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 uh, well, hold on. Chad and I are going to have the worst movie ever podcast on in a couple of weeks to do Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But that was a movie that was already done. And James, there's not, not going to be around for that one. So you don't have that. You're, you're, you are truly done, sir. Uh, but we're not doing Aquaman. Forget it. I ain't doing it. No way. Chad can see that by himself. I have no interest in the Aquaman. So that wraps up our movies for 2023, folks. Uh, make sure that you're rate reviewing and subscribing over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Make sure you're going and seeing the Marvels because Chad told you to, to go do that thing. Right, Chad? <laughs> Support it. It's fun. It has some joy for crying out loud. You joyless sacks of crap. <laughs> Get out there and have some fun and smile. All right. Until next week, I was those with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, and we hope that you stay safe. Stay going to movies. Because even though we're not going to do any other movies, they're still important. <laughs> Remember, when they tempt you with another Marvel popcorn bucket, don't get it. What are you going to do? Plant flowers in them? Like, that's a good idea. One, one commemorative bucket. It should have been from, like, Infinity War because it had all the characters. Oh, I didn't get the one from this one. It was expensive. Um, Not made out of popcorn bucket money. Was a 2023 Black Anders production.